Good afternoon. Today I have the lovely Sharon with me. Hiya Sharon, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi Donna, thanks for having me. Um, I'm a crime writer best based in Belfast. Um, my first of my new crime fiction series with Avon HarperCollins, who took Eden Mulligan, is out now. Um, I'm also doing a PhD in crime fiction, specifically looking at gender and class. And I just love everything about my genre. Uh, did you always want to write? Yeah, pretty much from as soon as I could hold a pen and fold a page in two and create my own little book, yes. And uh, my dad was very good at supplying me with lots of stationery. So I had lots of lovely hardback notebooks. I think he started a very bad habit early on. Um, and we lived quite close to the local library and a very, very good secondhand bookshop. And I went from one to the other. And yeah, if, if it wasn't, you know, within the pages of a book, I wasn't really interested. And <laughs> um, what made you take the leap and finally go for it? Do you know what? It was one of those things where I always treated it almost like a hobby. It's like this little dark secret because if you don't tell anybody and you know, you get the rejections and you think it won't hurt as much. Um, so it took a long time for me to get over that and sort of say, yeah, you know, this is what I'm doing and treat it with the respect it deserves, you know, because it's a craft, you've got to work at it. Um, so it was about 2016, 2015, when I first sort of saying, right, this is what I want to do. I'm being a bit more strategic about it as well. Um, so yeah, you're, you're learning your craft of writing the whole time. Every book's teaching you something new and every book you read is teaching you something new. But in the background, you're having to sort of understand the whole industry of publishing and get to know, you know, key players within the agents, booksellers as well, building up all that network and then sort of getting to that stage where you're ready to submit, you know, so it's, it's a process. Yeah, and a lot longer and more complicated one than I think anyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, no two writers have the same path. You know, it's it, there's no easy way in. Um, I think the number of people that write their first novel and, you know, successfully sell it to a publisher, I mean, it must be minuscule. Yes, it, it happens, but the odds are not stacked in your favour as such to break through straight away. But that's not to say that if you don't put in the work and if you if you do that and you, you really write the best book you can possibly write, I definitely believe there's somebody out there wanting to read it, you know. So I, I would hate to put off new writers because I think it's the best job in the world. So... Yeah, the odds might seem stacked against you, but it's still worth the gamble. And um, what made you decide to do the PhD? Um, I suppose I'm a bit of a closet swat, you know. Um, I love academic life. I love just being around my university. I'm at Queen's University in Belfast. That's where I did my undergrad degree and then did my postgrad in London in City University. And I suppose it was just always a niche that I had to scratch to go back. And I've taught for years teaching creative writing. 
specifically and I absolutely love that so I've always been interested in almost the theory behind writing you know so it just seemed a natural progression to try and do a PhD and I'm doing a creative practice-led PhD which is absolutely brilliant which means I create a new piece of fiction within this PhD um so yeah it, it's just perfect for me that's awesome yeah uh I didn't know such things uh, existed, actually. Yeah, um, don't, yeah. Um, out of all the books you've written so far, who's been your favourite character to write? I think um, Rose Laney in Hootagin Mulligan. Um, she's just, you know, she's quite brittle in some ways. She's carrying a lot of baggage. Um, but I, I can just see her character arc is so obvious to me where I want her to go um, and I love Danny and how the two of them ripped off each other you know so yeah I, I suppose her but also Eden Mulligan because even though she's not really a live character in the book she's the spectre that hangs over everything and you know trying to work out what happens when a mother is taken from a family and they've got no answers and the implications of that that goes, you know, through the next generation. So, yeah, probably Rose and Eden. Um, what's been your most difficult scene to write and what's been the most fun one? Um, probably the most fun would be maybe my first novel, uh, Little Bird. There was a lot of taxidermy in that and some very gruesome stuff. <laughs> And I do find that the most fun to write. But, you know, when you're writing about death, you're most definitely writing about grief. So I always like to give my characters room to explore that and express it. And that's always difficult to write because, you know, you're, you're feeling the emotions, you know, you're drawn on your own emotions and experiences that you've gone through in life. So, yeah, probably um, sort of the aftermath of, of a murder it's, it's how that affects the people that are left behind. That's the difficult thing. What's the most interesting thing you found researching your books? Mm, I love researching place and knowing what has gone on before, you know, you've got there and the characters have got there. Um, and so place almost takes on a bit of a character of its own in its own right. Um, and I feel like Belfast is like that in my books. I hope it is, you know, because um, I love this city with all its its complications and difficulties. You know, I think there's still a lot of good here. And yes, yeah, so I'm keen for readers to get to know Belfast in a new way, maybe. Um, if you were to be a character in any of your books, which book would you choose? Hmm. That's really tough. Oh, I think I might be Mulligan because she was quite glamorous um, at a time when, you know, working class women weren't allowed to be glamorous because, you know, people in the community would be saying like, oh, who does she think she is, you know? So somebody like that, that really doesn't give a damn about what other people think and sort of walks her own path in life, yeah. yeah. Do you have any fears or phobias and would you write about them or have you written about them? Yeah, I'm terrified of heights and I have a new standalone novel. Um, it's sort of like a modern day Gothic thriller with a rock band and there's a scene where a character is balancing on a balcony 
on you know high rise and honestly even talking about it my palms get sweaty it is such an intense phobia and I actually thought if I write about this and really torture myself maybe I'll cure it but no that has not happened <laughs> you know literally I can't watch a scene on a film or a drama where the camera pans down and you get that sensation you know so no heights is, is my absolute cannot do yeah <laughs> what about you what are you frightened of the dentist ah. no question <laughs> absolutely yeah uh, especially the drill I've um, yeah. sat in a waiting room and heard the drill and nearly got up and walked out and um, when I'm in the chair I clench my fist because I'm terrified but they hold my hands down because I think they think I'm going to yeah. punch a dentist and I'm not I'm just terrified well, I, I, have, I have to tell you my mother-in-law is that woman who did punch her dentist <laughs> and it was just totally like she didn't she couldn't believe she'd done it but it was just like a reflex so but my my um sort of thing for that would be to wear noise cancelling headphones because I think the noise of the drill is is part of the problem isn't it it is horrible I had root canal surgery not that long ago and it was dreadful yeah yeah it's (laughs) easy just to have the tooth out I think just take it out but yeah yeah (laughs) Oh yeah, that <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My thing is yeah, and I had fillers fall out during lockdown, and I haven't been to the dentist yet, and I know oh, I need to, but if it is fine, right? That that works. It does the job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, terrible. Oh, being an adult is just oh, it it sucks. Is. it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> the struggle is real. I mean we have the choice we shouldn't have the choice I have the choice now it's up to me if I go or or not so I'm not going to because I don't have to there's no one to tell me that I do (laughs) oh yeah oh anyway books books yes distract ourselves yeah oh yeah I definitely I'd rather talk about books and a dentist anytime anyway yeah (laughs) um have you made lots of author friends Yes, I have actually. The the whole crime writing community are so welcoming. It's untrue. Um, within Avon, you know, we've got a great stable there. Claire Allen's been so supportive. Pam Leckie. There's just been so many. Um, and then within the Northern Irish crime writing community, you know, people like Steve Kavner, who's like hugely successful, so kind to read my book and give me you know a bit of support with the blurb um kelly crichton's a really good friend within the northern irish crime writing community Stuart neville brian mcgilloway anthony quinn they're just all brilliant you know and i i do quite a lot of book events and i've done some that aren't crime led and it's different you know i think crime writers are definitely um warm and cozy and cuddly and you know just good people <laughs> I do I speak to them nearly daily and I completely agree um kind of nuts sometimes but yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Really we find our tribe there Donna <laughs> yes absolutely I feel like I found my people mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's great I love it yeah. um and do you get a lot of feedback from readers yeah, I do. And that that is so lovely and so rewarding, you know, um, 
I would get quite a lot of emails or Twitter messages, <coughs> excuse me, Facebook as well. Um, and the reviews are just so heartwarming when somebody goes out there and buys your book, like spends their money on your book, takes the time to read it and then responds to it in a positive way. It's just it's just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I've had uh, readers send me gifts, which is really nice as well. Yeah. So it's yeah, the fun side of it as well as that has probably been the most surprising part of it, you know um yeah you don't expect to get presents in the post from your, your readers um yeah I know of actually quite a few readers that do that um it's really lovely actually and um, yeah I've seen a few that have, have gifted authors stuff and the stuff they give them is awesome as well so yeah it's lovely yeah um and what so far has been your standout favorite moment if you have one. Probably getting the Avon deal. Um, it came right at the beginning of the first lockdown when we all thought, you know, the world was ending. And um, so, yeah, getting that was huge for me. It was, you know, I published before with indie publisher Bloodhound, which was brilliant. Um, but I was ready for that next move up um, with bigger distribution, you know, and Avon came in and made a brilliant offer and just see the whole vision for the series which you know I was so excited about so that was fantastic and then within a week I got an email with funding for my PhD so that it was like literally two huge ambitions coming together at the same time um, and it's that moment of thinking oh can I do both and then you don't even you know really acknowledge the question you just think you're going to make it work you know so I'm still here a year later I'm fine <laughs> <laughs> and how much more of your PhD have you got left to go a few more years yeah oh wow and I knew already that I would be devastated when it's over you know it's like oh you know you just to be able to sort of luxuriate within the whole genre that you love and to be able to read widely around it and the academic work on it and the criticism and just have that time to really you know submerge myself in my work it feels like a very selfish thing to do um because you know you're wondering oh I'm putting all this effort in will anybody ever read my thesis but you know who cares you know <laughs> Yeah, I thought I'd be like that about my degree until lockdown happened. And then I was just like, I need this to end now, please. Yeah. <laughs> please. Yeah, believe me, I've had those moments too. But, you know, I made a good patch at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what's your biggest dream as an author? Um, just to be allowed to keep doing this, you know, there's, I, you know. I wish I had sort of like a strategy and a, and a, a five-year business plan for my books, but it's just, yeah, just as long as the readers keep coming and my publisher's happy enough with the sales, though they've been very good, I've got to say, um, you know, and I get another contract just to be able to keep doing the job I love. And, you know, there has been mute, muted conversations about options, TV and film, but you know you can't wait on that that's not the end game 
you know it's it's about getting the book out there for me and yeah i just love that it's a surprisingly common answer actually so yeah that's yeah. cool but <laughs> um, what word or phrase do you overuse what does your edit editor shout at you for using all the time just just everybody is just about to do something you know so <laughs> I've got the stage now where I know to sort of watch my just so with every uh, new manuscript you find something else kicks in another tick you lose one you gain one so yeah I probably don't even know what this one is yet until I answered it. <laughs> well, you're the interesting you're the second uh, author I spoke to recently that's just that has just yeah that's quite funny. <laughs> I love how everyone knows it like that as well. Yeah, There's no thinking, yeah. they just know. It hurts when you know you're doing it. You're like, oh, and then you hear it and you read it everywhere and every night and you're like, even if the sentence needs that just, I won't do it now, you know. <laughs> oh dear, I love it. Um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Probably Stephen King. I think I would, I would quite like to spend some time with him. I think he's a bit of a, a creative genius, you know, and I think like many crime writers, I started off, you know, my teens reading a lot of horror and a lot of Stephen King. And I, you know, I really think he is just the best storyteller out there, you know. Um, he just reels you in and, you, you know, as a reader, you're immediately comfortable and you know that you're going to be taken on this ride with this expert in manipulation. He's going to manipulate you every which way. And you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Come on, <laughs> give me your best shots. And he <laughs> continues to surprise and produce brilliant books. So, yeah. Yeah. If, um, if he was to go to every person that I ask, he'd be a very busy man. <laughs> I know and if you want to dig up Mary Shelley uh, I'd love to have dinner with her as well. <laughs> um, who's your biggest um, author that you'd fangirl over that you'd totally lose it apart from Stephen King I guess? Probably Tana French. Um, I think she's probably the biggest influence on my work um, but also Megan Abbott. Um, God there's so many, absolutely so many. Um, Chris Whittaker at the minute as well. I'm fangirling over We Begin at the End, something terrible. Um, Katrina Ward, um, I just love The Last House on Needless Street. So yeah, she's just fabulous, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to <clears throat> tie down Chris Whittaker for an interview. I met him at um, Harrogate Yeah. and um, we keep going back and forwards and he promised I could tie him down. I'm assuming he means for an interview, <laughs> but... <laughs> he's, yeah. he's lovely yeah he is lovely he really is lovely yeah and I don't think he appreciates how much how good his book is at all um yeah bless him. He, he's getting the awards <laughs> I think it'll eventually have to on him. just one after another after another and yeah. I mean they are so deserved as well and yet he's still just like no <laughs> bless him uh, Catherine Armstrong was the editor <laughs> Before we begin at the end and she's from Northern Ireland so it's just like I feel it's a win for the Northern Irish crime community in a way as well you know I'm going to claim it no matter what. <laughs> uh, do you have any like specific um, 
uh, events that are just in Ireland? Do you get to meet all the other Irish authors? Yeah, we're very lucky that we have no alibis, an independent bookstore um, very close to me on Botanic <laughs> Avenue, as run by a guy called Dave and Dave Torrance and his partner Claudia as well. And it's really a crime led bookstore. So, of course, they have fantastic events, you know, and the likes of Linwood Barclays being over in Rankin, um, you know, just all the greats. And Steve Cavanagh and Adrian McGinty would often have events there as well before lockdown. Um, John Connolly. So you're always guaranteed a good bookish night, you know. Um, and we've also got Belfast Book Festival, which is really popular. And I would have been involved in that quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot of festivals and a lot of interest and a lot of readers and a lot of writers, which is great. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Kind of jealous, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Come visit. Uh, yeah, I, I know um, a few Irish authors now as well. So, um, yeah, I'd absolutely love to. I'd be there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what do you like to do when you're not writing? <laughs> um, I like walking with my friends. Um, I love watching crime dramas. Um, so yeah, just being with family and friends, you know, like I had a sleepover at my sister's last night with my cousins and my daughter's cousins and, you know, the whole lot of us, my mom, it's just the best crack that you can have, you know, and just hanging out with my friends as well. I've got really close friends, girlfriends who I've known for about 20 years now, and you're just guaranteed a good night when we're together. We don't need to be doing much, and, you know, every night we think it's the most epic night ever, and then spend the next week, you know, texting you know, do you remember when you said that? You know, we think we're hilarious when we're together. But um. All right. and was it? Uh, are they really proud to have like a famous author amongst them? It's... Yeah, they're, they're loving it because we've been out to celebrate the book deal. We've been out to celebrate the Irish release. We've been out to celebrate the UK release. And I said, at this stage, I'm feeling a little bit used. You know, you're just using me for the celebration. <laughs> But no, they're all absolutely loving it. And of course, they're all mentioned in the acknowledgements. So it's there. They're OK, then I, I'm allowed to enjoy the success because they're there with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, are there any secret jokes or messages or um, Easter eggs in your books? Yeah, for my friends, really. Um, and I'll, some of them are just for me, you know, and it could be like a, a musical reference. I really love rock music and Led Zeppelin. So if I can sort of drop a little sort of Easter egg relating to that, I do. Um, one of my best friends said when my first book, Little Bird, come out, she said, I better be in that book. And she's sitting there reading it. And there's a description of a middle-aged blonde woman walking a Cavalier King Charles dog. And she was like, I had to be the middle-aged one. Why can't I be you know, the sexy victim or something? You know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's fun to do that, you know, or I will use a surname of somebody close to me and, you know, they get a kick out of that and so do I. Do they always want to be killers? I always find everyone wants to be the murderer when, they want, when they're in a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was recently um, named in a book and I'm a sex mad politician, which is Ooh. different. 
Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. Because, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It makes me laugh because thankfully nothing like me at all. <laughs> I will hate some sad. <laughs> um, who is your first celebrity crush? Um, I say John Travolta in Greece, and my mother says no, Naughty Holder from Slate. <laughs> She said when I was three, I would be looking at the TV going, oh, he's lovely. <laughs> um, but no, I think it was probably John Travolta from Greece. Yeah. I'm sure when you're three, you're not old enough to really no, appreciate. No, but she said, you know, I think it was just the song, the Christmas song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how could you not like John Travolta? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, if you were able to travel to any time, um, either forward or back, where would you go? Funny, I was I was asked this very recently, and I said the late 1970s, and I thought, I was alive then, why did I pick them? But I meant to be there at this age, because I love all the 70s music, and I feel like, you know, I was born too late to really enjoy you know, I'd love to go to some of the big concerts that were happening then, Nedworth and places like that. So, yeah, I think that or maybe sort of uh, 18th century. So it can be, you know, sort of a, a lady that's always needing her smelling salts and <laughs> reading her correspondence and keeping her diary that, you know, I have to take to my bed every now and then. <laughs> Oh yeah, I definitely I, I like our modern um, hygiene and medicine. I definitely wouldn't go back then. No. Yeah, yeah. we we are so spoiled in some ways, aren't we? Yeah, but I agree. Um, I was born in eighty three, so I was um, I was born in the best era of music, but was too young to appreciate it. So I'd love to go back and be old yeah. enough to to see some of the bands live. Yeah. Yeah, totally get that. <laughs> um, are you working on anything at the moment? And do you know what you're doing next? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm working on the PhD novel at the minute. So that's why I'm writing. I've just finished editing and proofing the second in the Rose and Danny series. Um, I'm starting the next two sort of outlines for that series. And I have a standalone that I'm editing at the minute. So there's always about three or four projects going on at any one time. And that's fine, you know. It's, it's the way I, I read like that. I read four or five books at any one time. So my brain has got used to switching from one project to the other. Thank God, because <laughs> I don't know how I would do it otherwise. But yeah. I can't do that my just strictly one at a time I can't yeah. read more than one but I you know I always say to people though you'd watch more than one television program at a time you know you would start one series and then be watching some whereas to me it's just the same with the book you know that's a very good point actually yeah I do think you've got to sort of train your your mind to cope with it um, and I do think it slows me down because that means it's going to take me longer to finish a book because I'm sharing that time with other books. But I'm just so greedy for story. So I'm like, oh, it's the next new release. So the next shiny thing <laughs> that comes through the door, I've got to read it. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I fly through books. I, I, I read a book a day generally, so it doesn't bother me having just one because, you know, I'll yeah. just go to the yeah. next one. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to actually I have to keep up with all the arcs and everything. <laughs> I, have to read a book. I know you've been <laughs> swimming in them. Yeah. I, I don't look at my TBR. I don't even want to know how many yeah. books are on there. There's lots. And it just keeps growing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna need to live to about 200, I think, to maybe finish them all. It should be a moratorium and we all say, right, okay, nobody publish for three months so we can get caught up. Exactly, yeah. (gasps) Just, yeah, a complete hiatus, nothing. Just everyone chill. Yeah, and we all go on a reading retreat for three (laughs) months and we do nothing else and we'll all be caught up and then we go, okay, right, (laughs) let's start again. Yeah. I like that idea actually we need to we need to make this happen action it yes yes <laughs> we'll write to the government <laughs> he will laugh in our face probably <laughs> but, i mean you never know unless you try i guess <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only any of us had any time but our tbrs are calling and we just don't <laughs> Um, well, I don't think I have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything that I haven't asked you that you wish to tell us. I think that, that's us up to date and caught up on everything. So it's been really lovely, Donna. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. I've been looking forward to this as we have been trying to arrange this for some time. <laughs> we got there in the end. We did. Um, before we go, would you just like to uh, remind everyone about your book, uh, where they yeah. can get it from, and where they can find out more about you? Yeah, Hutukin mm-hmm. Mulligan is published by Avon, HarperCollins. It's out now, out from the 19th of August, and you get in all good bookshops, Amazon, um, independent bookshops, and Waterstones, Easton's in Ireland. Um, and I just hope readers, you know, pick it up and love it and yeah let me know if you do enjoy it I love hearing from readers brilliant well thank you very much (laughs) thank you okay see you soon